This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Everything you're sensing right now inside this room is happening digitally. It's all happening based on uh, vibrational energy. Uh, for example, my voice, this is not English. This is actually vibrational energy shooting across the room. Um, the sounds of my voice, let's say it's an A, like, uh, not that I know where an A is, but I'm making up, that's an A. Uh, so when I, when I speak like this, what's happening is, is, is wave patterns are shooting out of my mouth, out of my vocal cords, and they're hitting your eardrum at 440 oscillations per second. Now, that means there's a little monkey on your ear who's playing drum rolls on your ear. There's tremendous mathematics that are hitting your eardrum. The monkey just does his job, meaning, so to speak, the eardrum gets its vibrational experience, and it's a super tight drum. This, uh, the tympanic membrane in your head is super tight, and it's also protected. It's inside your ear. It's like well, a very important sense for us, including our balance. And, and that... Uh, and that is sending via electrical currents, which are also frequencies, just vibrational frequency. It goes up to the, the brain, to the cerebral cortex. In the cerebral cortex, there are neurons. You have billions of neurons. And those billions of neurons, they either fire or don't fire. Fire or don't fire. Every neuron fires or doesn't fire. Now, when that's binary code. That's ones and zeros. That's digital. So your brain is actually functioning digitally right now to understand the words I'm saying. It's doing so in real time. It's not really able to decipher anything I'm saying right now. Your brain is actually matching everything I'm saying to all the past times you've heard English. So it's, it can't really decipher what I'm saying. It can only add it up to everything it's heard till now. And then it will give context. That will give context to the vibrations, and then we'll translate it quickly, thank God, quickly into English. But really, it's it's what I'm saying right now is undecipherable. It's also miraculous that I'm able to create it. How am I able to create that? If you handed me a guitar, I do play guitar professionally, but I would never be able to create the precision that everyone has just in their spoken voice tremendous precision that's shooting across with accuracy going into the brains of people matching up with every past experience and then giving a and you know the equi equals you understanding what I'm saying right now this is all happening at the speed of sound which is nice the speed of sound's cool it's not so fast um, your eyes are taking in the experience of this room at the speed of light it's coming at you much, much more quickly. The math is much quicker. Your eyes don't see anything. They're just having all this stuff bouncing off of a optic nerve, send, sending it to the cerebral cortex, which is, again, it's adjusting for every other window it's seen and every other whiteboard it's seen and every other, every other you know, movie screen it's seen. And it's, and it's matching everything up to, to its experience, its past experience. Now let's talk about a few of the implications of what I just shared with you. One of those implications is going to be that you're not here right now. Because everything happening right now is matching to the past. So your actual understanding of everything I'm saying is coming from all your previous understanding. 
and your experience of the physical room around you is also getting matched up. But we have an ability to actually cut out of that match, the matching with the past and to tap into the now, totally tap into the now. So let's practice that just to get started. We're going to practice that together. What I need you to have is two free hands. I want to make sure you have two free hands. And uh, you can have one free hand if you're holding that thing. By the way, filming landscapes a lot work. So you can start it again if you want. Are you live on there? Anyway, but what we're going to do is snap with both our fingers on the count of three and take a deep breath. And in that state, we're going to bring ourselves up to date so that we're not matching with the past, but we're really kind of riding the wave of it right here. Ready? One, two, three. Breath. Your brain's just kind of wondering what this is all about. And it could be you have a little noise in your brain saying, like, what are we doing here? What's this? What's going on? So that's your noise in your brain. Let's do it again, and this time listen to the noise in your brain a little bit and see if you can get it a little quieter and just to ride the wave of the moment. Two fingers. One, two, three. Give a snap. Close your eyes a moment. Take a deep breath. Open your eyes. The world exists vibrationally. Everything's happening in, in energy, flowing of energy. The creator is the, is the source of the flow. The creator is causing all this flow, causing the consciousness. It's all happening from the creator. I mean, if you think about it, where else would it be coming from? But I'd like to bring that down in a much deeper level and uh, maybe make it clearer to everybody what I mean by the creator causing all of this flow. Before there was something, there was absolutely nothing. Before there was a cr created world. The, for whatever reason, whatever that nothing is, or whatever this creator is, it decided to create a world. But what is it creating the world from? What is the, what is the material that the world's made of? What is the world actually made from? Did God go to Home Depot to create the world? Did he go to Costco to create the world? Like, what's the world actually made of? And so what you realize is that, that the creator's very vision of creation is what the creation's made of. Now, where is the vision of the creator? What is the vision of the creator that's creating creation? And the answer is it's coming from absolutely nothing. Meaning, everything happening right here is coming into existence from Zippo, from nothing. So the creation's actually occurring and occurring and occurring every second. It's being perpetually renewed. Creation is being renewed and renewed and renewed. So we're in a full something from nothing event that's happening right here, right now. I realize I'm speaking too much content for you guys. You guys are all looking at me like, what? Whatever happened to all the stories he tells? And stuff. <laughs> 
Uh, maybe this is t uh, too deep a topic for today. All right, you guys are all cool with this? <laughs> okay. The creation itself is coming into existence from absolute nothingness. Okay, it's coming in from nothing. And our brain is mated, our consciousness is mated to experience the unfolding of every given moment. See, I told you we lost these two guys. <laughs> if I was telling stories and jokes, you guys would be sitting right here. It doesn't get better than this. This is the best. If I told stories and jokes, they'd be sitting there laughing. And <laughs> Today, for some reason, I'm in a more Kabbalistic mood. So we're doing more Kabbalah. Oh, you have to remind me of these things. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If the world keeps recreating, recreated actually, does that not um, contradict the theory of cause and effect? Yes. Yeah, so it does. Um, the, for example, if you drop this pen, and so the pen makes its way down from my hand to the other hand, mm -hmm. so there's a cause and effect, like the gravity is causing the pen to come down. But according to Judaism, you're back. <laughs> Whoa, that was quick. Welcome home. Were you here this whole time? Was he here this whole He's not actually here right now. <laughs> so according to monotheism I don't mean the religions like Christianity, Islam and all those religions I'm talking about hardcore monotheism, Judaism so this pen is being recreated in every position as it moves its way down to this hand the pen is in being recreated from nothing into something meaning there is no cause and effect cause and effect is just the way God set up the system for us to be able to live in a normal world. So there is cause and effect, meaning uh, meaning you know you, you put your foot out and the car runs over your toe, you know you're gonna feel it. You know it's gonna, there's a cause, there's an effect, but they, but all of that is being created perpetually at all times. Now, given that the world's perpetually created, that gives God tremendous uh, leeway for adjustment. I mean, if God wants to adjust what's happening in creation, we would never know it happened. Because we're strobing it into existence from absolute nothingness. So if God were for one second to decide to turn off the creation for a few minutes, would we know anything happened? We'd have no clue anything happened. Is any time elapsing from the day you were born till today? Not really. Not really. All of this is a projection. It's all just one holographic projection around us. So even the elapsing of time is part of this cause and effect thing, but it's not, a, it's not the absolute reality. Yeah? So has that come to what you were saying before, that everything we see is from past experience? Is that our, our, brain, our brain is not cruising with God. Our brain is, is, our brain is lagging it's taking every given moment and lagging behind it with all the past experiences. What's that? If it's being recreated, 
Right. Right. There really would be no past except for our own memory of it. Subjective is our experience of past, and which helps us navigate just fine. And objective is that God's creating this place brand new all the time. Okay, we're going to switch gears to personal vibrational energy. Every person has their own vibrational energy going on. Each one of you has your own vibrational energy. And you'll notice that someone will walk into a room and just raise you up, and then you'll have someone else walk into a room and just like kind of lower the energy of the situation. I had someone who was an energy destroyer, and I was teaching at UCLA at the time. I was a young rabbi, and anytime this guy, I had to find out if he was coming to my table before I could invite Shabbos guests. Why? Because you're only allowed to invite Shabbos guests who are going to drive if your Shabbos table is going to be an amazing Shabbos table. If your Shabbos table is going to be an amazing experience, that will likely get them to stop driving on Shabbos eventually. So you get to invite them. Now, obviously, you ask them to come before Shabbos, and you offer them a place to sleep, even though you don't have one. And the, <laughs> you just kind of hope they don't say yes. You know? So true, so true. We, we had this guy, he came every week, and he was like, we, we'd always invite him to stay, and we're always doing our diligence, you know. We want to do things right. We know he's going to drive on Shabbos, and we want to do things right. So, so we would tell him that, uh, you, know, you know, please stay and everything. Meanwhile, we have nowhere for him to sleep. And, I mean, he could sleep on the couch in a brightly lit living room. And in one week, he's halfway on his way to Burbank from UCLA, which is, you know, an hour drive. He's a half hour away. He gets the mole hole and pulls off and just drives all the way back. We're in the middle of Shabbos, and... He takes his car keys, walks to my door, takes his car keys, and throws them across my entire living room and into the like couch on the other side of the of the place, and says, "That's it. I'm never driving again on Chavez. Where am I sleeping?" <laughs> my wife and I, uh, where your keys landed. <laughs> I'm sleeping with your keys tonight. And he never drove again. Yeah, next I saw him years later. He was like this long bearded like guy in a talus, like somewhere in Jerusalem. I was like, I, I barely recognize. He came up to me. He's like, it's me. I'm like, whoa, freak out. Anyway, so there was this. Any time I wanted to invite someone who drove, I always had to call Friday morning because there was this energy killer who would come to my Shabbos table. And if the energy killer came to my Shabbos table. I couldn't invite the people who would drive because it was no longer a Shabbos table that would turn someone on to Shabbos in a way that they'd want to keep it. And so I, I actually um, would call him every Friday and say, are you coming? If he was coming, I didn't invite those other people. If he wasn't, then I did. Now, there's a vibrational energy that each one of us has. There are people, for example, who will say yes to things they're just not supposed to say yes to because you want it so badly that vibrationally you create the yes in their mouth. Raise your hand if you ever noticed that someone said yes to something really crazy that was beyond regulations or whatever. Raise your hand if you've gotten people say yes to things because you wanted it bad enough and you just you just push it through. Now, some of you may be a bit bulldozer-like, you know, because you got to make sure it's a win-win. Once Once you get the energy of how powerful you are, you've got to be careful that it's a win-win because it's easy to bulldoze people. You know, the last thing you want 
is to bulldoze through, you know, instead of you going through customs, you know, some long line, you bulldoze the lady who's in charge of saying, U.S. citizens here, you know, foreign passports here. And you went and bulldozed her to, that you should go through with the crew. And so you go through with the crew, and then you look back just to thank her, and you see some officer comes up to her and says, that's the last time you're fired. You know, that's a win-lose. So you got to be careful that bulldozing has... Don't ever bulldoze. It has to be a win-win. And the way you know it's a win-win, you can still ask her. But the way you know it's a win-win is accept no's. When you get a no, just take it. Take it and go get in line with everybody. I generally get in line with everybody. But sometimes the plane was late. There was some kind of delay. I'm supposed to be speaking in Brooklyn in like, you know, in a half hour. And, and like, I got to get through with the crew. That's the only way I'm going to make this class. And, uh, and so for sure I'm going to radiate a yes and I'm going through with the crew and she's not going to lose her job and it's all going to be cool. You know, because there, once the need and the want is strong, so vibrationally shifting through things. Now, again, God is creating this world perpetually out of nothing. So once you put your desire into something, so then your desire is, is literally causes things to align with it. Now, I want to share with you a couple things um, before, before you raise your hand on that. Is, um, the things is that the word rots, which is the word for what? What does rots mean? Run. To run, right? The word rots means to run, and it's the same root as the word to want. In other words, if you want motivation in your life, if you want to be a motivated person, you have to figure out what it is you want. But like really an absolute intense focus of purpose. What do you want? What do you want? You know, I do very little in my career for to to do, you know, to get what I want. I do very little. My focus is lots of energy in what I want. I just focus a lot on what I want. Because I understand how God's running this place. Not because I'm such a great Kabbalist. I'm really giving you all my Kabbalistic knowledge. And this is not the periphery. Okay? You know, it's not like I'm learning Kabbalah all night every night. Except for Thursday nights. Oh, it's nice Thursday. Oh, anyone who wants to learn Kabbalah, uh, after my event, uh, we could go learn some Kabbalah. So, anyway, but once you get this, all your energy just has to be what you want. But so many people don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. So how, how do you ever get motivated? I mean, if you're driving, if you're in a 35 mile per hour zone, let's say on the average a guy does 50 in a 35, so you're doing 50. And you're looking for a particular street name. And then all of a sudden you get distracted with your phone or you get distracted with the conversation in the car and you realize you missed the last three street names. Are you going to keep going 50 miles per hour? Or will you probably unconsciously slow down? You'll probably start slowing down. Why? Because you could be going 50 miles per hour in the wrong direction. And so you go 35 for a while and then after a while you realize I'm turning around, I'm going to go check. Because I don't want to go in the wrong direction. But so many people are walking in life not knowing if the street they wanted was back there. They don't know if it's up there. Because we got to know what we want. That's the first and foremost. And it's even before marriage. You have to figure out what you want before you get married. Because if you get married before you figure out what you want, you'll never figure out what you want. 
Because what if what you want isn't what your spouse wants? Now what are you going to do? It's very rare you'll ever see someone in this class who came to figure out what it is they want. In, you know, here in Aish and Yeshiva, once they were already married, it takes tremendous courage and a very loyal spouse to stick with you no matter what. But for all of the rest of us that are still single, you want to figure out what you want. And that's the beauty of yeshiva. Because the word yeshiva is the opposite of running. Yeshiva means to like sit and ponder. Sit and ponder what it is you want. And when you sit and ponder what it is you want, then you can aim and shoot one arrow. Shoot one arrow where you want to go. The whole point is the aiming. I do all my work on the aim. When I finally shoot something, it's like, it's 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 going. It's just going. Like it, it's got God's blessing behind it because the creation was built out of ratzon. Right? The root is ratz. The whole creation was built out of ratzon, which is desire. Think about what's made a desire. You guys thought the Brooklyn Bridge was made out of steel? Nope, it's made out of desire people in Brooklyn to get to Manhattan quicker. And they wanted it bad enough that people actually, you know, coalesced, they came together, and they spoke to government bodies, and they got people to commission that bridge. And the people who worked on the bridge had the desire to feed their families. And the people who milled the steel wanted to feed their families. It's all desire. This building's built out of the desire of, of uh, the, my, my colleagues, myself, and uh, the most, uh, most intense desire of all was Rav Noah Weinberg's desire. But that's what does it. We don't do anything in this life. All our job is, is just figure out what you want. You just figure out what you want and watch the world flow with you. Watch it go. Watch the world go with your desire. Give you an example. You use yourselves, for example. Ever raise your hand if you ever... Well, first think about something you wanted in your life, but you wanted it badly. Everyone think about something. Now raise your hand if you ever wanted something badly. You really wanted something badly. Okay? Come on. I don't want an L. I want a Vov. Okay? You wanted it badly. Badly's not... That's still an L. Put out that Vov. Okay? Now, I want you to think about that thing right now. Think about the thing you wanted badly in the past. And now, I want you to keep your hands up if you got it. Okay, you'll see the majority of the hands stay up. Majority of the hands stay up. And now, everyone has to do a little soul searching. You can put your hands down. Everyone's got to do a little soul searching if they ever put their hand down. Now, there's nothing wrong with putting your hand down. If, for example, you realize what you thought you wanted, you don't want. the family we help out, I told them, please stop opening the door to remind me. Just stand by the window and I'll see you. Except now he just stood there for like five minutes. So I was like, we're going to help you for Shabbos. Please stop staring at me through that window. So, what? That doesn't even have that much, but I mean, no, he was looking at me like this. <laughs> like, please notice that I'm here because I'm trying not to open the door. Please notice. Yeah, so I, I mean, he just wasn't getting all my cues, you know. Did he raise his hand? 
What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm repeating for people who came in later is is we're, my housekeeper's teeth for two thousand bucks. We're gonna try to get her ten thousand dollars worth of dental work for two thousand bucks from this holy rabbi dentist who is a partner of North Weinberg. Anyone who would like to pitch him for her teeth. I know her personally, she washes our dishes. Now <laughs> Um, where am I holding? Ah, the desire. So the Brooklyn Bridge is made of desire. Airplanes? What are they made out of? Desire. People want to get somewhere faster, and they they figured it out. They studied those birds, and they figured out they could create a giant bird, put it in the sky. Uh, your clothing. What's it made of? It's made of desire. Some designer. Some designer wanted to make their living with their creativity, and they had that desire, and they became clothing designers, and now you're wearing their clothes. So your clothes are made out of desire. Even the people who sewed the clothes together in those factories, those people desire to feed their children, and they want to do it straight. They want to make a living in a straight way, and so they, that's how they do it. You know, everything's made of desire. Your own skin, your flesh and blood is made of the desire of your parents for one another. Your, your very own physical body is made of desire. The whole creation is made of desire. And that's the Mida in Kabbalah called Keter. Keter is the crown. It's the intermediary. I mean, if you think about a king with a crown, it's the intermediary from heaven down to the body of the, of the king. So this world's, like, this world's like the garments of the king. Our physical world's like the garments of the king. And the crown is the crown called Keter, which is desire. It's the absolute substrate of all of creation. And when you want something, it just, the creation itself conspires. It conspires to give you that which you desire. It's just the way it goes. The creation conspires to fulfill your desire. What's that? Yeah, if it's the will of Hashem. However, even if not. You want to know why? Because you ever heard this? Through Hashem. Oh, through Hashem, yeah, but even, even if it's not His will, that's the freaky thing. How many of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands at this one, how many of us wanted something that was bad for us, and even spiritually bad for us, and we got it. We got it. And, we're, and, we, and our sages actually say something about that. You know what they say? In the way that a man wants to go, they will walk him there. Who's they? I thought God does it. Who's they? The answer is the entire creation, all the parallel realms, made of a gigantic myriad of structured parallel realms filled with malachim, which are like messengers of God. And God created the universe to feed back desire. So whatever it is you want, it will get fed back to you. Whatever it is you want. And that's why a Jew, and we had a little Jew detector at the door before all of you got in here. A Jew, before he states what he or she wants, first checks, checks in with God. Is this going to be good for me? Is this something that you want? Is this something you want for the world? 
Is this your will? Yehi Ratzayim. May it be your will, this thing. And if it's not your will, I don't want it. I don't want it. I remember this guy built a mansion. It was the first mansion with an elevator in my neighborhood where I grew up in L.A. Today everyone has elevators and where I grew up in L.A. But in those days, there was the first house with an elevator. And it, they built the elevator shaft first. I don't know if that is just a structural thing that builders do or they were trying to show off to everybody that they were getting the first elevator in the neighborhood. Uh, but I do remember driving to school every day and seeing this lot with like this big elevator shaft kind of surrounding the shell of you know, where they were going to build. Anyway, the owner never got to experience his own house. You know, while he was looking at it, one of the days fell down the elevator shaft and died. Yeah. So he wanted that. He got it. He also died in it. So... <laughs> so there are several steps in, um, in getting what you want. I'm going to share three of the ten. There's ten. I'm going to share with you at least three of them now, just so you, you all can uh, start using the magic. Uh, the first of the ten is uh, the first three are are uh, thought, speech, and action. Which are in Kabbalah the three levushin, the three garments of the soul. Like you have a soul, and it literally wears the thoughts and the speech and the action of your life. So the first key in getting what you want in life is to is to project via your thoughts your consciousness you want to project a visualization of that which you want whatever it is you want you want to project that into the world so what I want to project is that people see their possibilities and are able to um, not only realize what's possible for them but have a clear path in how to achieve everything that they want. This is my dream. This is my goal. This is what I want. And I visualize that everyone I get in touch with, and I, and I ask Hashem to get me in touch with a lot of people, but that everyone I touch is going to get, in, they're going to suddenly like get this enable position where they're enabled now to see possibility and actually create possibility. So that's thought. Is first, what do you? I was just doing my own visualization for what I want. That's that's my goal. That's my dream for this world. So this is assuming that the person can only use these steps if they've already established what they want. Oh, first is what you want. So what? I mean, can can I know? Yeah, I have a four-step process to figure out what you want. You want to do that instead? Well, maybe that only pertains to me since I'm one of the few people. No, a lot of people. Who else would like to know what they want? A lot of people. A lot of people want to know what they want. Okay. Um, okay, but anyway, I'll just do thought, speech, and action, then we'll talk about how to figure out what you want. Um, speech is, you talk about a lot. You'll notice, if you listen to my classes, you'll notice that I almost never speak. I mean, maybe today was an exception, but I almost never will speak for a whole hour without talking about interpersonal connection. I always talk about that. Because that's something I want the most. 
in and like even though I'm helping people get their possibilities, I also believe that your life's only as good as your relationships. Your life is only as good as your relationships. And so you'll hear me constantly like all I use my whole rabbinic platform basically to get people connected. Like that's what I want. And connected to God, connected to each other, connected to their parents. I do a lot of work on parents' stuff. A lot of work on, and we'll never survive our lives if we're not connected to our parents. We have to connect to our parents, no matter how good or bad they are. And the, and so next is speech, as you talk about it. So I'm always talking about that. I always talk about health. I talk about abundance, because that's the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world of abundance. Okay? Now, the uh, third is to do. And you don't have to do a lot. You just got to do something, though. You got to make that call. You got to just pick up that phone and make that call. You got to go deliver that thing. You got to do something. You got to get, you got to shake off your gravitational pull and just do something. You don't have to do a lot. Because if you did your homework and you got the rut zone going and you're visualizing it happening, the world will already start to conspire for it. But once you add speech, speech is a, is a, specifically power, powerful medium because God used speech to create the place. It was created with Chochmah being in Das. But, but then speech is, is how God actually like kind of shot it out. And so now I'm going to use thought, I'm going to use speech, and then I'm going to use action, which means I'm going to be forwardly motivated to do the things that are necessary, the necessary steps towards what I want. I'm just going to warn you about one thing it's, it's number like 6 in the list of 10 is that whatever it is you don't want in life stop mentioning it just don't mention it anymore if you've been complaining about uh, poverty or loneliness or uh, uh, illness or if you keep talking about that stuff that's what you get why? because everything exists back to the beginning of the class everything exists vibrationally so stop putting out the vibrations because that's what the universe will conspire to. The universe conspires around the subject of your vibrational energy. So if, I don't care if you said you don't want to be sick. I don't care if you said you don't want to be poor. I don't care if you don't want to be lonely. The subject is poor, sick, and lonely. And so the universe just keeps giving more poor, sick, and lonely. Have you noticed those who grew up in observant communities, you notice the same people asking for money are the same people now asking for money now that you're adult like what happened over there could his luck have been that bad but if you think about it he's been visualizing from some early age about his poverty he goes and tells everyone the story of why he needs money so it's constantly reiterated and what he does is begs and so that's why you get the same exact guy 30 years later he's the same guy who was fundraising with your parents when you were a kid yeah, it's the same exact guy. There he is again. He's perpetuating it. So you've got to watch out for the subject. Change the subject now towards abundance. Even if you don't have it yet, just be creative. Yeah? You mentioned before that you weren't speaking English, and it was just vibrations. So when you speak a subject, let's say, okay, for your example just now, you want to get rid of something in your life, don't speak about it. Correct? Mm-hmm. So... But if we're speaking English, and if it's if it's just vibrations, is that a psychological vibration that you're, that you're sending out? Do the do, do those vibrations that you're speaking matter? 
Is there a specific frequency that matches to certain things that you want and don't want? Do the words matter? And the answer is yes. <laughs> if you remember all your questions, the answer is yes. So all of them. There was an or between question one and two, yes. and the second one was the yes. That it's a matching in the frequencies. Uh, matching frequencies. Yeah, so these are all matching frequencies. So let's say I want something. Yeah. There's a frequency that matches. I don't need to speak. I just find that frequency. If I omit the frequency, does it, ma it matches what I want? Yeah, I but... I, I don't need to speak a language. You don't need to, but putting out the phonetics is important. You should do it. You do it. And by the way, you don't have to worry about English because English is Hebrew. Meaning, if you're wondering, like, oh, how am I going to pull this off? Hey, we're just finishing up. Where's the bike? Okay. Um, the uh, we're bike freaks, and he's test driving a new bike. Unless he bought it, knowing him, he bought it already. But um, English is Hebrew. Do you guys realize when you speak English, that's all Hebrew? Everything's Hebrew. What? All I'm speaking is Hebrew. You're hearing English, but phonetically, you can, you know how you can, you've seen transliteration, where it's the Hebrew uh, in English. So this is English, that's actual Hebrew. That's why you'll notice, for example, anytime you see a P and a Resh in uh, Hebrew, it's the same as a P and an R. This is the new rig, huh? Whoa, monster. It doesn't feel like it's one of You already run it off-road? I already rode it on-road. <laughs> Not Took jumps. Off. You don't even feel jumps. You take a jump and... Look at those wagon wheels. The, the craziest back, though. Look, it's like a motorcycle. You don't feel anything in the back. There's none of that. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, we didn't get to figure out what we want because it's late. Uh, if you remind me tomorrow, I'm, or Sunday, I'm happy to talk about what we want. Um, that's one of my specialties, is getting to what we want. Um, everyone, I'm blessing each and every one of you with an amazing Shabbos, beautiful relationships, connection to God, Torah, people, and you, your parents, connection to yourselves. Um, we're going to pass around a cup. Anyone have a clean cup to pass around for some money for that family? Please pass it around. Remember, this class feeds the family. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.